Welcome to Foundational Steps, the show. I talk with people about the choices they have made in the past to get where they are in life. I'm very excited to share my first episode with you. In this episode, I talk with a good friend, Sam Sinai. We talk about why it was lonely being a millionaire in his early 20s, taking over the family business, his rule of five, which can apply to much of life and business. We also talk about superpowers and his ability to see those powers in others to build teams for a successful business. I also find out the superpower he sees in me. We cover a lot more too. We did have some technical difficulties in the beginning, lost just a few minutes, but what we didn't lose sounds good. Links to Sam are in the show notes. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell. And if you want to go deeper or ask questions, check out Foundational Steps on Patreon.com. Enjoy our conversation. So how you been? Can't be any better. 2022. Thank you. (laughs) And you know, it's, it's, it's been a challenge for the past two years because for us, it's, it's challenging to really navigate through everything that takes place now because we have to project nine months from now. And the challenge we get is that, for example, when we do manufacturing, we have no idea like this round of COVID that's coming in, you know, is it going to affect our industry? You know, right. we, we don't know. So it's, uh, you know, I, I came to work first week of January looking to kick some butt, but we don't know what's to come because right now everyone I talk to is COVID. Yeah, it's crazy. I know a handful of people that have had the new variant and it seems to be pretty mild. Who knows is I guess what it seems. <laughs> it seems but, so I, I actually looked into it as well. So some of the people that are getting hospitalized, they're not getting the new variant. They're actually, uh, they're confirming that it's Delta. And uh-huh. I, I actually did have Delta. It took me almost uh, four months to recover from. Oh. Yeah, it was brutal, man. I mean, I would go to the gym and, you know, it affected me dramatically because I couldn't even I couldn't even jog on the treadmill without being out of breath wow and still I'm still fully not recovered so I know we've talked about some of this in the past but the mind over matter thing is is been studied the uh, they call it the placebo effect and they know that it's in some cases more effective than medication you know it just depends on what the ailments are and you know what's going on because you know even um Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's. Yeah. Yeah. So Parkinson's, one of the therapies for it is a, is a cutting edge surgery. And sometimes the surgery is done. Other times they just tell the family and the patient that the surgery has been done. And the, the doctors don't know whether they're going to do the surgery until they're in the operating room and the family and the patient never find out whether the surgery has been done or not. And the, the, the effects of the placebo versus the real surgery are about, it's about 50, 50 as far as like what's effective. But the trick is, as if I'm understanding the study that I've read uh, correctly, the patient and the family cannot know whether they actually had the surgery or not. And as long as they're left in limbo where they don't actually know, 
then the placebo is effective. And if they find out that they had the placebo and they didn't have the real surgery, then it, it it's not as effective or not effective at all. I, yeah, it's, it's wild. I believe that I, you know, my father, when he had cancer, he had prostate cancer and he didn't tell any of us for 12 years Yeah, and he fought through it. And the second he actually found out that it's getting worse, it took six months and he was gone. So I, yeah. I think the mental part of it has a lot to do with it because not that he gave up, but you know, the doctor told him there's just nothing else you can do for him. Yeah. No, he got to a point in time in his life where he's like, it, you know, it's time. I mean, we've talked about this before. And I know you spent yes. a lot of time, you know, you know, reevaluating your spirituality and your, your religion. And, and, um, I mean, I, I, there, I don't know if we'll ever know for sure, but for me, I feel like, you know, people get to a certain point and they just, something clicks inside. They, they, they're ready to say their goodbyes and, yeah. and they make their peace and they move on. Yeah. No, I, I totally believe that. 100%. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really, you know, amazing, beautiful thing. If you think about it um, from that standpoint. No, I, I, I totally believe in that. And I think, I think you and I have spoken about this multiple times. You know, everybody talks about, you know, uploading to the cloud. I, I look at the cloud as the real cloud, right? Yeah. And every night we go to sleep, you know, I think that's when our data gets up, you know, uploaded to the real cloud. And yeah, for sure. Based on whatever that we've done that day as to our list of data that we've collected for us individual. And then the results pretty much play itself out, you know, through the universe. So I, I'm now like, a lot more cautious about that. So, you know, I spend more time making sure the data that's collected for the day has a lot of positivity around it mm -hmm. versus, you know, negativity. And uh, one thing that I've been doing recently is just anything that comes my way in a negative way, I try to figure out how I can take it in in a positive way. And it's freaking people out because it's like, oh, my God, you know, this happened. And I'm like, oh, it's great. It happened because of X, Y, and Z. And they're like, well, that's not a really good way to look at it, but okay. Um, but, you know, some like family members think I'm not taking life as seriously anymore. But which, I'm but that's just, not a bad thing in and of itself, though. I mean, you know, there's plenty of people that have died, you know, because they've overstressed themselves yeah, and they've totally. taken life too seriously. So, yeah, 100%. yeah, I mean, you know, there's a there's a, an, a certain amount of seriousness that you have to have just to function, you know what I mean? As far as like paying your bills, you know, having food to, to put in your mouth, you know um, responsibilities. I mean, you have a dog, so, you know, there's certain responsibilities you have to take care of, but after that, I don't know what needs to be that serious after that. You know, it's like, once you get the, uh, you know, the, the basics taken care of the, the quote unquote important things taken care of everything else after that, like, I feel like, is you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt because it could no, be gone tomorrow. hundred percent. And I'm traveling a lot more and I'm spending a lot more money. Because uh, <laughs> like you said, it's like, you know, I, I've seen a lot of uh, family members that have a lot of wealth 
and they didn't really do anything with it, mm-hmm. right? And by the time they realized that they need to go out and spend it, they couldn't really enjoy it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning from that. And so, you know, I do have some savings, but at the same time, like you said, you never know when you're going to go. And no. when you're at your deathbed, you want to sit there, whatever age range you're in, like yeah. 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s, you want to just say, you know, I had no regrets. I did what I wanted to do. I visited where I wanted to go. And um, I think that's that's what's really important, you know. And I know everyone's trying to chase happiness. The sad part is 90% of people don't know what that really means. And uh, everyone's trying to keep up with the Jones these days. And uh, I have a friend of mine who's a, you know, he's a billionaire. He's worth about $10 billion. I can't and, even imagine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, you know? that's a whole nother reality. <laughs> so, you know, I, I pay attention to his lifestyle and how those, you know, the activities he goes through and the people he hangs out with. And I know he's chasing, he's constantly chasing, he's always bored. And you know, I, I pick up the phone sometimes and you know, say, let's go grab some coffee and I just try to pick his brain to see where he's at. And it's just, he's so disconnected from this world. It's With just- $10 billion, you know, it, would be, it would be hard to be connected to this world because this world yeah. is, the vast majority of the population is in survival mode. And yeah, they, you true. know- yeah, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine why anyone would think someone without much money would be connected, you know, because it's so- Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I- I feel like, you know, he can use that money to do so much, right? And mm-hmm. I don't think he's at a, a juncture of his, you know, journey where he realizes that, mm-hmm. you know, some, sometimes people are given wealth. You know, the purpose is to have the wealth so they can actually do something with it. And it takes a long time for it to click. Um, you know, he's had like a couple really crazy episodes that took place that almost took his life um and i don't know if those were two events that was a wake-up call for him and pick up the phone and say look these could be wake-up calls for you and you know you need to see what why this is happening i mean he got robbed robbed outside of his house with three of his friends and uh two got shot but he was literally inside the second they came out shooting, blasting, you know, at his friends. You know, so it was a close call. Um, you know, and the other week, everything outside of his house was completely salvaged. And there was a huge truck that drove down and pretty much hit every single one of his expensive cars that were outside and hit his house at the same time. And, you know, the truck lost control or the brake got jammed. I don't know what the heck it was, but so I, I, I think these are all messages from the universe to like, hey, wake up and do something. And yeah, I'm now paying very, very close attention, you know, in every message that comes my way for my business, for my family, for my wife, I, I now pay so close attention to everything. And, and I'm not analyzing it per se. It's more like okay, well, this just happened. Mm-hmm. Let's find out why and get to the bottom of it. And if I can't, I'm going to relate it to other things 
to see what the end result can potentially be. And that's, you know, even it, in my business and in, in my life and my daily routine to work and back. And it's, it's pretty interesting because um, again, I, I think I connect it to the data that is collected every day and it creates the results that puts in front of you every day and you have to deal with it. And if you want to change it, you can, but you have to be aware and be able to, you know, create that change for sure. For the outcome. And uh, I wish more people paid more attention to that. And uh, well, I mean, I so you've been in business now for what, 20 years on your own? Yeah. So when you started off, you know, were you able to even uh, come close to the approximation of that, you know, of that kind of mentality of that thought process or is not at all, not at all. I mean, so, I, I mean, think, yeah, when you're younger, yeah, you're ambitious, you're, you're aggressive, you have nothing to lose. I mean, I started my business when I was 22 years old. Yeah. And, you know, and I started with the family business when I was 22 years old. My first business, I sold uh, almost the age of 21, end of 21. So, um, you know, when what I kind got of business was that? Um, it was a, <laughs> it, it kind of turned into a business on its own. I used to work for Morgan Stanley. I left Morgan Stanley, started my own financial advisory firm. We built a software that helped automate trading. And then we ended up. This is when you were your twenty. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. I met. I met. It's a. It's a. It's a funny story. I met um, the branch manager of Morgan Stanley uh, working out at a gym, and uh, he used to work out there. And one day, he was struggling with the weight, so I helped him out. And you know, every once in a while, we said hi together. So we decided to kind of work out together you know, during the time that he came and I came, it wasn't really scheduled, but you know, we'll spot each other. And mm -hmm. so we became good friends and, and, um, you know, going to college, I wanted to do some internships. So I went and worked there and he accepted me because he could make that decision. And then that internship turned into uh, them promoting me. And, and, you know, and so I took the license, I took the exams and passed the license. It became, an advisor then became an analyst and then I left and started my own firm um, age of 21. So I was there for about three years. And okay. um, so, yeah, it was, it was an interesting journey for me. I, I really enjoyed it because, you know, I, I walked in the first day wearing this flashy like burgundy tie. <laughs> yeah. I was like 18 years old and he pulled me into his office. He's like, that is not a dress code here. I said, well, you told me to wear a tie. He's like, not a burgundy flashy tie. <laughs> was it like shiny? Did, or yeah, it was did super it shiny. It was like so, you know, you know, <laughs> flossy awesome. and, and so flashy. And, and so he pulled me and he said, listen, I brought you in here. Don't make me look bad. And um, he's a really good mentor. He sent me to like Toastmasters and um, sent me to a couple of other um, sales seminars and then mm -hmm. kind of worked on me to polish me a little bit more because I was young and yeah. uh, and then yeah from there I started the family business um, so wait a second though yeah. you said something about software so you left started your own firm and yeah, started a so software company this, no so it's like a really uh 
simple software development that we did that helped automate um, trading. So pretty much imagine when back then there were expensive brokers. You yeah. had to pay, you know, $250 to $300 a trade. I mean, it was ridiculous. And, you know, they would have some good, those are the times where the, the brokers would call you say, I got this crazy pick. Right. You're going to make millions, you know. So we were those guys who made those calls. We did is we created this software that created the announcements live. We announced it. You've, you've froze there. on me a little bit there. R- rewind just a half second. You froze on me there. So you, cr- you created software that created announcements? No. So it was a, it's an, it was a, almost like an email blast, but it was through a chat software. Okay. And the chat software allowed the transaction to take place. So it was instant. So we would get there. Um, we'll send out a, an agreement. They'll sign off on it. And for every trade, their brokerage house would actually trade that announcement. Hmm. Um, so, you know, so it was instant. So it didn't really take a couple of days or a couple of hours. So they would actually take advantage of that additional three or four or five point percentage, you know, increase when they made the trade. So it was, it was, it was a simple software, but we were able to sell it and then, um, I moved on and kind of went into the family business and, uh, and, you know, I came in to this business, which is lighting. Um, we manufacture commercial led lighting yep. and, uh, my two older brothers have been in this space for many years. Um, but they were on the distribution side and, you know, I've been kind of watching them and my mom's like, Hey, you know, go help out your two brothers and see if you can sell their company. <laughs> so, so is that uh, how I you got of, involved with Deco then is, is yeah. y- your mom wanted you to see if they, y- you could sell the no, company I for them? It was more than that. I mean, uh, if you really want to get into the details, you know, I, at a very young age, I cashed out a significant amount of money and I pissed off a lot of, p- pissed away a lot of it. And, uh, you know, you do dumb things when you're young. You know, yeah. so I got into a lot of that and um, she wanted me to kind of get back to reality because, you know, here I am as a millionaire at a young age and really none of my friends are, you know, close to where I was. Yeah, and no I was one's keeping just, up with you. Exactly. And, you know, it was, it was depressing at some point because it's like, you don't know if your friends are like hanging out with you because they want to hang out with you or they're hanging out with you because, you're spending money on them. And for me, it was like, here, let's go to Vegas. I'll get the two connecting suites. We'll drive down there in the limousine and have one of the most amazing weekends, you know, kind of so, like the uh, Wolf of Wall Street type, of, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds amazing. But you, you you said that there was kind of a, an element of depressing, like you you weren't sure if you knew who your friends were. So how did you manage that? So, you know, I think uh, I did stop talking to a lot of them unfortunately mm-hmm. and not because they weren't good friends they just weren't the right type of friends for me at the time and mm-hmm. uh, I'm still you know they're high school friends you know and I still talk to some of them but um, 
it was depressing because you, I, I felt like I graduated way too young into this other world where people think, you know, once you start making a lot of money, you're going to be so happy and you're going to just, you know, enjoy life. And, you know, I was that young person. I made a lot of money and, and all of a sudden I'm like sitting there all by myself with no friends because I didn't know, you know, these friends were real friends, you know, and I think one of the most amazing experiences, and I recommend this to many is try to build the wealth with the people that you love. And the reason for that is that you guys can all kind of enjoy it together. And it's not just you. I know a lot of people just run with the idea of becoming wealthy and they leave everybody behind. It is lonely on top. It really was for me, at least. And, you know, yeah, you can find ways to make yourself happy by giving back. And I know a lot of these wealthy people, I mean, they feel guilty. So they start giving back to all kinds of charities and stuff like that. And as, as they should. Yeah. But do you think, I mean, it's great that they're giving back, but do you think that they're actually making themselves feel better, you know, by giving back just because they feel guilty? I I feel like they've, and this is a, look, I've been there twice. Mm -hmm. I've been there twice. One at a very young age and one, you know, in my thirties, now I'm in my forties. Um, and the second go around, I felt like when I hung out with the, the, the same peers of my, where I am, right? Like where people are wealth wise, there's groups that you can join, you know, that, you know, it's entrepreneurs and CEOs and, Mm -hmm. you know, you go there and you shoot the shit and you talk about your problems and your issues and your growth and everything else, um, you quickly realize that 90%, I would say 95% of them have a lot more issues than you do. And these are like very successful entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I realized quickly that when you are an entrepreneur and your mind is moving so fast and you want to do so many things in life because you feel like, time is the essence Mm -hmm. you leave a lot of your loved ones behind and you have to because that's the only way to succeed and what i mean by succeed is that really accomplishing your goals and i'm i'm a victim of that because i you know when i was growing my business i didn't have as much time to spend with my wife and travel and do all kinds of stuff so i i feel like you know that's part of the journey and Sometimes you realize at a later time. Do you, you think know? that's um, a, a process of speed though? Like, could they, could you have, or, or could other of these people that you've met achieve their goals without losing their friend, uh, loved ones, family, friends, what have you, if they had just gone slower, could they still achieve their, their success? I think it's part of the journey, Michael. Mm-hmm. I think that the way it works is that I think it's, part of the formula i think it's nobody's gonna really know until they know and i think that's the challenge is that nobody in their right mind who is hustling and you know really trying to make things happen 
is going to realize during the journey, during the process, until they hit a milestone and they reach some level of success. And then they look behind them. I look at it this like jet that's just going, right? Mm -hmm. And they look back and, you know, they see this, the smoke or the steam behind the jet. And they're like, oh my God, look at what I left behind. And they try to go back and try to, you know, pick up the pieces or try to put things together because it's so fast. You know, entrepreneurs are successful and they're really working their butts off 16 hours a day. You know, most successful entrepreneurs are successful because there's a lot of passion behind what they do. Right. And with passion, there is no way to gauge time. You know, you can work 18 hours in one day and you would not realize that you worked 18 hours. And it's now, do you that- think, I mean, I, I experience. I mean, that passion, uh, you know, and I've experienced, you know, working 10, 15, 20 hours and not even realizing that it's been that long. Yeah. But I always wonder, is there an element of an addiction in that? And, you know, because addiction is oftentimes, uh, associated with or defined by, is it hurting your life in some way? Is it hurting your loved ones? Is it hurting your health? Is it, you know, you know, mental, physical, whatever, um, is some element of your life suffering. And that's part of how you would define an addiction. So I always wonder, it's like, you know, sometimes it's a 10 hour day. It's a, it's a 16 hour day. That's your 20 hour day, whatever. That's just what it takes. But, you know, with, especially when you're talking about, you know, you, you were meeting with groups of entrepreneurs that all of them, you, you think right, not 90, 95% of them had far more issues than you could ever imagine having yourself. And so I'm just curious to get your perception. Do you think you had any element of addiction? Do you think they had any element of addiction? I mean, obviously you're not a an addiction specialist or whatever, but you know, but do you, yeah, you, I, you get I what I'm saying? Do you, do you see yeah, any of that? The, it's the dopamine that kicks in. I think, yeah. you know, it's what makes you feel good. And for many entrepreneurs, winning makes them feel good. It's, it's the, one of the best highs you can get. I mean, when I close a deal or close a project, that one tenth of a second, of the feeling of knowing that I just won by putting in the work, not just like winning. Oh, okay. I just won that. Great. But yeah, the payoff, I think the payoff it's, it's, that's what creates the dopamine that just you're addicted to. Yeah. And you're constantly. So it's an endogenous. Yeah. So it's, an, it's an internal addiction of chasing that feeling. Like I feel yeah. amazing. I want that again. I want that again. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I agree with you 100%. And the the addiction, you know, it's so funny. I, I've met so many wealthy people through my journey, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them have so much money that they never have to work. And their whole entire family doesn't need to work. But they get up every morning and they want more. Of it. And, and I get it. I get it because the second they stop, it's like stopping time for them. Hmm. 
And that's when they spiral and, you know, do other type of things that create that feeling. And I think that's why a lot of them get into drugs. I, I've noticed a lot of successful people that have never tried drugs, you know, doing all kinds of drugs, you know, they're, they're going to big events that, you know, they're, they're for the first time they're like, Oh, I made it up. I, I have a bucket list. You know, I'm going to go down the list and check them off. Right. And, you know, I, I've actually created my own bucket list. <laughs> I, um, I've created a bucket list of all the things that you should not do. Oh, I've kind of reversed it. And so wait, some of these helped. things that you have done that you're like, Oh, I wish I didn't do that. So I need to you know, steer clear of these things. Yeah. So for ex- I'll give you the perfect dumbest example, right? I had probably one of the most important phone calls that I had to make mm-hmm. and, and I had to be somewhere at a certain time. So I'm like, I can kill two birds with one stone. I get into my car and is a conference call with like 15 people. And I'm hosting this thing. I'm like, I can, I can definitely do this. I can manage this. I get into the car. Five minutes into the call, my phone dies. <sighs> okay. And it's like, it took me months to get this call. And I've probably used every swearing word you can imagine while driving. And my charger, you know, the car chargers take freaking five to 10 minutes to charge. It's not like instant because right. it was pretty juiced out. So dumb bucket list. Every time I get into the car, the first thing I do is like plug my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, great. You know, I've, and you know, I, I, I build these little things and I add to my list and it's, you know, there are things that scar you that you never want to do mm-hmm. ever again is what I put on my bucket list. And um, I've actually passed this on to a lot of my good friends and they said it's the best thing. You know, it's because it's See, like the you, you got to put it like an ebook together or something like that. That way, you know, you can you can share it or heck, I mean, you're, yeah, you're an entrepreneur, yeah. sell it, sell, sell yeah, the book it's, for, it's, you it's know. Something, but let me tell you, it's so helpful because the second, like you come close to a scenario of it, it's like, boom, it's right there. You yep. know it, you're familiar with it. You're just like, no, definitely no. So anyways, I have certain things that I've been doing just to make my life easier. Uh, I mean, and really simple things, creature comforts. Like I always have, you know, some drinking water ready to just, I'm thirsty. I'm going to gulp down some water. I always have like a, some sort of glass, a thermos, a water bottle or something so that, you know, I can do that. You know, I always have, uh, I used to long before, you know, phones were the way they are. I always had a pen. I always had like a little pocket knife. Um, because you never know when you're going to write something down. You never know when you're going to need, you know, to, you know, cut something, you know, cut your nails or cut, I don't know, a tag, whatever. So there's little, little things like that, just from, you know, a frustration standpoint, like, I don't want to have to be bothered with this. And, you know, for me, ideas are kind of everything. Like that's, that's one of the most important things 
you know, for my existence. I like ideas. I like hearing ideas. This is why I love, you know, uh, movies and TV. It's like, they're, they're just fascinating ideas and they're filled with different perspectives on these different ideas from different people, different characters. And so if I had an idea that I wanted to write down pre uh, smartphone, I had to have a pen. I had to have a way to just quickly jot down an idea and maybe it's to go read a book or maybe it's, you know, just something to write about. Maybe it's something to just ponder and meditate on. Um, but always, always like I had to have that ability because it would drive me nuts. Most things I could live without, you know, most things, not that big of a deal. Like for me, I never let my phone die, but I think if my phone died, I think I'd be okay. And, um, if I, if I think there's any chance I'm going to need my phone, like I make sure that it's plugged in and the times that, um, now I've gotten to a point where like, if I don't need my phone, I don't worry about it. And if I have an idea, I, I feel like, well, it's going to come back to me again, if I need it, if I can't write it down or what have you. So it's a different, different state of being. Okay. So I'm really, really curious because, um, going backwards a little bit, you were talking about, you know, you were different, you know, when you were a kid, when you were in your twenties and, you know, building all this, you didn't, you didn't end up with an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction. And, um, now with what you've been through, I'll tell you why, I tell you why I think it's surrounding myself around nobody. That's why, Hmm. you know, and, and, and like isolating happened. yourself yeah i isolated myself because i had one goal and that goal was to become successful once again and i didn't let anything get in the way or anyone and once you get there that's where then it kind of opens up a little bit more and it's like okay through your journey and it's i can guarantee you everyone's process is probably the same through the journey to success is where you meet new people. Yeah. Those people either make you or break. you, And a lot of people gravitate towards the ones that have it all, but they've already have made their success and they're heavily involved in other things that come with the success so you believe by hanging out with whomever that's going to get you to become successful, that is the reason you're hanging out with that person, you're going to also pick up after them. So one, one, yeah. one suggestion that I always, and you'll probably kind of take a second and say, oh my God, that's so true. The five people that are closest to you make up who you are. Yeah, for sure. The five people that that five people that you hang out with are who you are. And what I mean by that is it's what how you laugh, how you respond, how you dress, um, how you react. All of that comes with the five people. So your identity is always changing based on who you're hanging out with. I've gone through so many different photos of myself. And I look at them and I said, oh, my God, is that really me? But, you know, it was a, a journey of my life. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I was such a nerd. And the reason I was a nerd is because I was hanging out with a bunch of other nerds. And I'm not saying <laughs> being a nerd is a bad thing, but, you know, I, I was wearing glasses and I was wearing polo shirts and, you know, I was just a completely different person. And, you know, now I'm hanging out with different level of people and you know i'm now a lot more wiser but i realize this now you know i would have never responded that way i was i was never this short i would have never you know made a decision so quickly and Mm -hmm. i'm doing that because i'm seeing my peers kind of at my level that i hang out with kind of respond the same way and they're getting results so i'm like hmm that's probably gonna work for me as well and after a couple times of trying it and it works then it fits it's like uh you're never always comfortable to it until you become it and how you become it is by like giving it a try like you know i never wore skinny jeans ever you know I went shopping with my friend. He's like, hey, you got to try these on. I'm like, there's no effing way I'm going to wear that shit. I mean, that's all I wear is skinny jeans. So it's like they're comfortable and yeah. I, you know. Yeah, stretch and, to them. Yeah. And it's like I never in a million years would have ever thought I would wear skinny jeans. But because he opened me up to it and I tried it and I liked it, it became me. Yeah. Guess what? I converted five other people to skinny jeans. That's you know, hilarious. it's so it's like, that's how it works. And I, I think we're, uh, go ahead. No, I, I just, I was curious though, because when you started, you, you know, when you started back in your twenties, you had a group of friends and some of them had to kind of go away because they weren't able to keep up with you. And you've adopted this kind of isolated, you know, position where you're going to hang out with people that you meet along the way. I mean, could was that because you had to let go of your friends though was that because you 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 know kind of had to cut people off you know is it a survival technique it's it's a survival technique and then you know through your journey to success it it feels very lonely because you're making decisions on your own Mm -hmm. and you're kind of looking to validate some of the decisions to make sure that there's a sounding board somewhere right and you build friendship through that because it's a trusted advice and you felt comfortable with that person that helped you and um, so it's like you form a new relationship with look i'll tell you this and and you might agree or disagree but everybody has friends that they go to for certain things for sure right i got friends that i go to when i just want to party you know i'll never go to them for business decisions and quite frankly when i talk to them i'm not even the business guy that i am when i'm at my in my own like work in my in in the zone like right like if they saw me in my elements at work they would not even recognize who that person is you know so you form different types of friends for what you need them for. And it's very selfish of 
humanity itself, but it's so natural because if you look back, like when you throw a birthday party and you've invited like everybody, you know, and it's like so awkward, you know, cause you're like, you know, you gotta like your high school friends are like, Hey, motherfucker, what's up? You know, you're like, Oh God, you got these professional guys that you met at work and you're like, Hey, what's going on? How you doing? You know? So it's just, you, you go through so many layers of life and people and experiences. And there's so many layers of us that we haven't explored because one, we're afraid to, we're not putting ourselves out there to see what we gravitate towards. And three, we're scared, you know, we're scared that we're going to get hurt or someone's going to take advantage of us. And so, you know, during a growth process or during a, a, an era of your life where you're trying to accomplish something, you kind of isolate until you reach where you want to go. And you gravitate towards the people that actually helped you get there. They become yep. your trusted friends, you know, and you, you don't want to lose them because you feel like they were the reason why you got there. And unfortunately, some of those people change and they go through a different path of life because they've decided that, you know, they want to continue a journey in a different direction. Yep. And you might spiral and, and chase them to go in that direction. I've seen so many people that have done that where, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm not a big fan of tattoo, but like. I had a friend of mine who, you know, I grew up with and he's like tatted up head to toe. And, and I know for a fact he would never have got a single tattoo because I just know him so well. But the crowd and the friends that he hangs out with, that's what they're really into. Yep. And so he got one and he got addicted to it. Yep. And like you yep. said, and he's like, Every week he's got like a new tattoo artist like getting inked up, which is cool. I don't care, but I'm just saying like, these are, you know, my dad used to say, you know, you have to buy your friends, you know, and you know, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's true. And, it's and buy in terms of, you think he meant that in terms of what you're paying well, emotionally? Or... I was young. I'll tell you something funny. Yeah. You know, God, God bless his soul. But growing up, you know, I'm very social and you know that yep. uh, I gravitated to all kinds of people. And so like when I came home, this is when I was six, seven years old. Yeah. I, I bring home a new friend. I'm like, Hey mom and dad, look, I, I just, you know, this is Darren or this is Mike. And my dad, he, he had, a, he, he, he knew, and he had good intuition. Like he knew like if this person's going to be good for me or not. And he would just tell me, Hey, you know what? Don't tell Darren or whomever to come over anymore. And I said, why, Dad? He's so, he's so cool. He's like, no, call Michael and John, and we're all going to go to Magic Mountain, and I'm buying lunch. I was like, oh, really? That's cool. So then, you know, he's kind of hand-selected the friends that he felt were good for me growing up. And he literally will take us to Magic Mountain, buy lunch, do this, do that. So I can kind of grow with them as good kids. 
And, you know, he told me this later when I was older. Um, but, you know, it, it really, really comes down to the people that you hang out with. Your five friends or the five people in your life or who you are. And so if there's like people that create anxiety, negativity, or anything that really puts that in you, and all of a sudden you're like, you have anxiety and all of a sudden everything that you look at is half empty. The cup is half empty. That's not coming from you. It's coming from the people that surround you that make you see the cup half empty. I don't disagree with you. It's interesting. I do have a slightly different perspective on it because I do think that that is absolutely true. I think there's another element to it or another dimension to it, which is, you know, it's also not coming from them directly. It's coming from the people they hang around, their, their family, yeah, their experience. And, you know, at some point but it's in their time, five people, right? Cause yeah, your five people might not be their five people. Right. And they're the influence, you know, and there's no way around this to some extent, everyone's going to have at least one person in their five that is not part of the five kind of thing. Uh, or they're going to have a sixth person that's damn near close to the fifth person kind of thing, you know, and so they're, it's going to bleed into their life. And, you know, I've always been a person, you know, that I want to, I want to save the world. You know, I want to, I want to help everyone. I want, I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to, to find, you know, their most beautiful self, their most, you know, powerful self and, and flourish. And, you know, my father, he didn't do what your dad did, but there were definitely conversations about, you know, who you hang around with. If you want to be a winner, hang around with winners. There's definitely conversations uh, like that. And, you know, I remember when I was in, I might've been in college at this point in time, I kind of, I kind of got angry. It's like, well, they could be winners too, if they had opportunities, like they didn't have the opportunities that I had. And he's like, no, that's true, but that's not your job. And I was like, well, maybe it should be, (laughs) maybe I should give them an opportunity. And, you know, because of that, I had friends that were gangbangers. I had friends that were drug dealers. Uh, I had friends that um, I have friends that were prostitutes or worked in in uh, in you know that world. Um, I, I've had friends, you know, very wealthy friends, very successful friends. Uh, I don't know any billionaires. No, actually, I do know one billionaire um, uh, personally, but um, yeah, I mean, I know people from every single walk of life. And, you know, to a certain extent, I've also isolated myself. Like, so, you know, I try to, but the way I isolate myself is, is, is uh, a little bit more esoteric. So it's through meditation and mindfulness. So when I'm around someone, I want to know what I'm getting from them. And so, and, and that's created a buffer. Some people don't trust me because they know that like, I'm looking at them for who they are. And they don't like it. Uh, I I had this one guy in my life. um, I knew him for probably at least a year at this point in time. And every time I played poker with him, it was always just for fun. You know, we $20 buy-ins, that kind of thing. And um, it would always end up me, me and him. It was, you know, everyone else, you know, lost and it was me and him. 
And uh, I thought for sure he was bluffing. And sure enough, he had the cards and he would end up winning, winning the game. And at some point in time, I overheard a conversation he was having with someone and he got off the phone and he said, whatever you do, don't repeat anything you heard. And I immediately knew he was a liar. Like I was like, Oh, like, that's what it is. I just, I just have taken him in and I, I never really had, I never really had my thumb on him. Like I never could exactly pinpoint what it was about him that I got from him. I just knew that I was never fully comfortable with him, but he was in the friend group <laughs> and a larger friend group of, you know, 20 people or whatever. And, um, he was actually a, a closer friend's older brother. And, um, and I just, but there's something. And at that point in time, I knew immediately that, oh, that's what it is. He's a liar. And when I play him in poker, he's not lying. And I, and I played him a couple more times and I was able to win because I realized he only played if he had the cards. If he didn't have the cards, he didn't play because, you know, everything was, you know, some sort of, of grift or grind. And, um, and I don't think he was a liar maliciously. I think he thought it was his only way to survive. I think it was his survival mechanism to keep, you know, his friends where he liked them, his, his wife, where he liked her, you know, his brother, where he liked them, you know, and all of that kind of thing. And it was just a way for him to control everything. So he would tell people what they needed to hear, what he thought they needed to hear and, um, and didn't want anyone to know what he didn't think they needed to know so that he could manage everyone and everything around him. And, you know, he called me out at one point in time, um, and was like, what's your angle? Like he, I don't remember <laughs> if he said angle or game or, or whatever, but he, he, question whether I was there trying to take advantage of him, his, his, his family, his friends. And, and I, I'd, I'd, I'd figured him out at that point in time. And I was like, you've got to understand. I was like, I have no angle other than to understand my surroundings and, and the place that I put myself because I never want to be in harm's way. And I've been in situations where uh, it's not safe. You know, when I was 15 years old, I'd go into the streets of DC to go see an underground concert. And like, I had to negotiate with, you know, some of the, I don't know if they're homeless or they, or what, but, you know, so that, um, you know, my friend's car wouldn't get, you know, broken into or stolen or whatever. And, um, you know, I just, I, I just, you know, I trust everyone to be what they say they are. And so, and if you look someone in the eyes and you ask them, are you going to break into my car? Uh, and if they look at you and say, I mean, there's obviously pathological people, but <laughs> if they look at it like, no, man, absolutely not. Like you give me a buck, you give me, you know, whatever, this is back in the nineties. Uh, I'm going to take care of your car. Like, I was like, all right, I trust you. And then someone else comes up to you and says, you know, Hey man, you know, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, that guy said he's washing our car. So you, you can deal with him. 
and they know each other, you know, and all of a sudden now it's like, you're taken care of. We come back to the car. It's, it's fine. It's, it's all golden. You know, I'm 15 years old finding myself in situations like that. My parents would probably uh, lose their shit if, if, they, <laughs> if they knew at the time what I was doing. Um, but it was just, you know, life. And so when this guy confronted me, I was like, I'm just trying to understand, you know, my surroundings and the people around me. I don't want anything from anybody. I don't need anything from anybody, you know, because, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get where I want to go when I need to get there because that's what I'm about. And, you know, I've definitely seen, (laughs) I was having a conversation earlier today. I I definitely thought I had um, a handle on certain goals, which I achieved. And I didn't even realize that I achieved it because I was looking at it from the wrong perspective. Like you were talking at the beginning of the conversation about reframing and how like you're able to just see things in a different way now. And it's freaking some of your family members and friends out. Like that ability to reframe and look from a different perspective can change everything. And when I, you know, when he confronted me and asked me, you know, what, what I was doing there, um, I, you know, I realized that, okay, here's a guy that feels threatened by me because I see him for who he is. And, you know, he's trying to control everyone and everything around him by lying. In some cases lying sometimes, you know, I'm sure he told the truth or selective truth. And, um, and, you know, my safety here is now in question because God only knows what he's willing to say about me. Um, you know, in this situation with the, with these people, because reputation, not just safety. Right. And I mean, I think reputation to a certain extent is your safety or lack thereof, you know, because what can you achieve in life? If, if your reputation is mud, um, it becomes difficult, you know, in any walk of life, I think. And, um, it was interesting from, from, from that day forward, when he confronted me, um, I'd kind of had his number at that point in time. And I was able to be much more aware that he, uh, was cautious around me. And, um, I was much more aware of the lies that he was spinning, um, with his wife, with his brother, with his other friends. And, you know, I just looked at the group and I said, this group is going to implode. There's absolutely no way this group is going to stay together. Like at least not how it is. And, um, sure enough within maybe a six months, maybe a year, I get fuzzy on timelines. Everything kind of blends together after, after a few years, because this is, this is over 10 years ago. Um, jobs changed, people moved and everything kind of fell apart. Um, you know, it was not a sustainable life, you know, and you know, the, I think what you're talking about, as far as like the five people around you, if those people are going to stay the same, then you all have to either be willing to not grow, uh, together, uh, which is eventually going to, you know, form some level of, um, uh resentment or yeah. you got to grow together but you know i'll tell you something else michael i don't recommend the same five people to be in your inner circle at all times i i i believe through the journey that you're going through 
you can always switch off the five to whomever you want it to be because it's never going to be the same five. It can never be the same five because I wouldn't think, but I don't know, maybe some people, you know, have that same. It's hard. It's hard because if you're stuck with the same five people, you know, forever, you're never going to grow because there's somebody that's always pulling you back while you're growing. So I've changed my five. Now, I can tell you there's top two or top three that's going to always be there, right? Now, um, do you consider your wife in that yes. five or in the top three or, or yes. two or whatever? Yes, yes, because okay. the wife makes half of you, right? Yeah, and sure. the other half comes from the other four. Um, and so, yeah, the wife, the significant other. Yeah. definitely is is the one or two that always stays and sometimes people get divorced so that's why i say that um top two or even three and, and you know one could be the best friend that you grew up with right that that's always been there for you no matter what which i also have right mm-hmm. um and he's gone through so many different layers of of life and I know if I wasn't there for him, he would not be where he is today. So sometimes you play a big role in his five. So, you know, and it becomes a trade-off. So it's like, you know, he realizes. And the sad part of humanity is that somebody always needs to first take the initiative. It's never equal. And you give so much where the other person feels not obligated, but feels like, man, he's done so much for me. I need to like outdo him. So I'm going to go out of limb and do X and Y and Z. So I take that approach for a lot of my top fives Mm -hmm. because I know they're not going to do the work. They're not going to do the heavy lifting. I have to do it. And there's a lot of work and I'm expecting them to come through when I need them. And it's the second that they don't come through is when I drop them because I'm like, they're all in it just to accept and receive, but not give. And so how many so of these, it's really easy. I'm curious, how many of these people over the years have you done business with? In your top five, all of them, some of them, I mean, uh, excluding your, no, no, no. So it doesn't have to be people that you do business with. None of them actually are the people that I do business with, because I think, you know, doing business, maybe one or two in my previous uh, time, but I think these are people that share similar lifestyles as mm-hmm. you can relate. And you can, you know, let's say, yeah, I'll tell you, at one point of my life, believe it or not, you were part of the five that I used to (laughs) come in contact with, like every, I don't know, every other night when we used to walk our dogs. Yeah. And you kind of fit right in because you were there for me. And so, you know, when you left, I had to replace you somehow. Um, and that's because I was sharing some very personal stuff with you and yeah, about sure. my life and everything. So you were there for me. So I, I accepted you as one of the five. 
Um, unfortunately, you know, we lost touch, you moved and everything else, but that's just a perfect example is mm -hmm. that, you know, it's the closest person around you that's going to be there for you to help you through your journey is the top five. And I, and I want to kind of express that example because you know so much that you've done for me. And, you know, I used to come out and walk my dog and let off some steam and you're like, Hey, don't worry about it. You know, it's this and that. And, and the funny thing was like, I come outside my house and you're just like there. And it's like, <laughs> what is the coincidence of that happening? You know? So it, it was almost like the universe kind of put you to be part of the five. It wasn't even my selection. So sometimes the five could be somebody that just kind of drops right into your life and you have mm -hmm. no idea who they are, but they come into your life for a reason. So, you know, and, and you just have to acknowledge and, you know, create the awareness of that and take that person in and know that they're there for you as a, as a, as a purpose to help you get to your next journey. And, um, and it's been great, man. I mean, I, I've, gone through so much the past couple of years i'm very grateful i meditate every morning i think it's probably one of the most most important things is to be one with the universe because yeah. once you're one with the universe you're you're pretty much set free it's like you know whatever is going to come your way you're part of it you know so it's like bring it on you know and i think that's People are chasing two things in life, happiness and freedom. I think freedom is being one with the universe. And yeah. however you do it, you do it through meditation, it's through accepting, waking up in the morning and accepting that, you know, you're here for a reason and your reason is to go through the journey and whatever comes your way. I always say this to people that are going some really challenging times because I've noticed a lot of people right now, especially now, they're going through some really difficult times. I, I tell them, I said, look, take this as an opportunity to kind of weather the storm because some people believe in God. Some people think it's the universe. It's not going to give you something that you cannot handle. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's like playing a video game, right? I remember I used to play Street Fighter all the time and I get to the last guy, I remember what his name was, but I hated that level because I know like the chances of me winning was like 50-50. And then, you know, and so sometimes when I didn't win, I'm like, I know I beat him because I beat him before. You know, I'll have like packs of quarters until I freaking beat the last guy. So it's a perfect example is that you're going to beat this obstacle, this challenge that you're faced with. The only reason why you're not going to win is because you're giving up, right? And, you know, that's why you just got to fight through it and learn from the experience and create that bucket list where you're like, I'm never going to make this mistake ever again. And that's how I got here to begin with. And kind of better your way to make better decisions. And you're right. Some people are not blessed. I mean, I, I'm not saying I was blessed. No, I just kind of did what I thought was best for me. And I took some big chances and big risks and I had high rewards, you know, with high rewards, you know, it, you also lose because 
you know, what comes easy goes. And yeah. so sometimes you got to build up to it. And when you sacrifice, which a lot of people today don't really understand what sacrificing means, you know, they watch an Instagram post or they watch a TikTok video, you know, and they think it's like, oh, overnight. And, and what I'm starting to hate is all these bullshit advertisements about these guys telling you that you can become a millionaire in like a month. It's all bullshit, man. You know, it's a scam. Don't you can make them it. a millionaire in a month. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and these poor people, they don't know any better. They don't have mentors. They probably don't have those five people that are going to help them accelerate to the next level. And they, they gravitate towards this one guy who says, buy shit on Alibaba and sell it on Amazon. And look, it might work. It might not. But I'm just saying, it's just, that's not the way to do it. The way, the best way to do it is to literally learn the business, find out how to perfect it, find out who does it best. Yeah, I give advice. I'm, I'm on a bunch of boards that I sit on, companies board. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, I do mentorship for a couple of companies for their people and, and even startups. I mentor a bunch of startups. I said, any business you want to start, all right, any product you want to develop, go find, I use the five for everything, right? The five is my everything, right? Go find the five companies that actually sell a similar product, mm -hmm. learn everything about them, learn how they go to market, buy those five products and see how you can make it better and do what they do better. I mean, that's the best way. If you don't want to be innovative and you want to just be like, the average person that wants to kind of start a new business, you know, uh, a harness for your, for your dog, right? Right. Go look at all the harnesses in the market, find the best one, put some really cool. I mean, there's a successful um, um, gal that sells these Frenchie harnesses for my dog. She's killing it right now. And all she did was find a comfortable harness. And my wife buys like three a month. I mean, <laughs> makes so much money off my wife. Oh, wow. Alone. But I'm just saying, you know, people who are starting to, or services, find out the top five people that do whatever services and see how you can do it better. But you have to learn the business first, yeah. go through the process. I remember one time I was making a lot of money and I wanted to start investing, right? So I'm like, I want to start investing in franchising restaurants, because oh, I just thought that was something that was cool, right? Okay. So I started learning about it. I went in first week and I went behind the scenes to see like how these restaurants operated and what goes. I mean, I got blessed people that own restaurants because it's probably yeah. one of the most difficult things ever. I After five days, I said, there's no effing way I'm going to franchise restaurants. It's like, it's it's a nightmare. You're, you're pretty much... That's it. That's your whole margin. Yeah. It's, it's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of moving parts, a lot of which you can't control. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. And, and then, and another thing is, you know, um, I, I know this for a fact. A lot of us who come into this world, just like animals and, you know, living things in this world 
um, we come with a special superhero power, okay? You know, it could be how you talk to people. Mm -hmm. It's how, you know, how you are so calculated or how you're like, you're an athlete. You, you come into this world with a special superhero power that God gives you or the universe gives you in order for you to survive. So that means if you are stuck on a desert, you are going to find this superhero power of yours to figure out how to survive. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that desert is planet Earth, you know, and it's, it's sometimes yeah, a desert, exactly. sometimes whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I agree with you. So, so I encourage people to see what that is. I mean, I know what your superhero power is because I've spent enough time with you. Um, and, you know, you just got to kind of go and, and figure out how to build a business that requires that special skill set. You know, in my company, when I first started, I actually, there's a bunch of articles on uh, Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, a bunch of places. I don't like to like brag or anything, but this was one of the things that I did in my organization that helped me become so successful was that I built a superhero power theme in my organization. So when I hired these individuals, mm -hmm. I hired them for their skill set that added to the superhero power group that made us successful. So you would look to identify what their superpower was and figure out if that's something you were lacking in your team and then add them to your team. Correct. So, yes. okay, just, just, I know we've talked a million times in the past. So um, what did you see my uh, superpower being? I think you have the ability to get into any business and learn it quicker than anybody else and understand the pros and cons and be able to monetize both. And the reason I say that is because I think you pay more attention on the cons and the pros because the cons are what creates your pros. And it's amazing because a lot of people get into businesses and they only look at the cons, right? So your skill set is you have a very well equalized way of looking at things to really assess what it is and, and, and do it the right way. And, and you expose the right way of doing it. And I know when you were trying to sell me the insurance, <laughs> you know, I, I knew that I can trust you because you probably went out and looked at everyone that sells that. And, you know, and I know I can trust you with it. So, you know, I had a shitty business partner, which is no longer here, but, you know, that would block me to even want to move forward with your company. But what I was trying to, is that that's a, that you're like the perfect, you know, candidate for any kind of a business that can create the equalization in the, in a company. So what, what you also have as a skill set is that 
you you gravitate towards people that are so like you. Yeah. Right. So it's great because you are very secure and you know who you are. There's a lot of people that have, have insecurities and they don't know who they are and they're trying to explore. So you understand who you are. So there's not going to be a lot of negative people around you. So for you to elevate and grow is a lot easier because you're going to always gravitate or have positive people around you because you'll never accept negative people. Like you cut them right away. It takes yeah, people no time for that. <laughs> years. No, I'm telling you, it takes people years to cut people out of their lives. So, you know, I, I think uh, it's interesting. I, and I appreciate everything you say. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sitting here listening and I don't think you're really wrong about any of it. There's some of it that I might look at it from a different angle. Uh, I mean, I, I got a job offer last week and he's like, man, we'd love to have you. But, um, and I, and I, it was a money issue. Like, I, I just don't see myself making enough money. He's like, no, I get it. I, you understand your worth. You understand your value and what you're bringing to the table. And I get it. You're not going to make, you know, as much money as you could be making in other positions. And, you know, actually started, you know, telling me about other companies that were hiring and other, you know, positions that, you know, might be uh, valuable for me. And it was interesting because, you know, in that interaction, it was very much a um, affirmation of everything you were you were just saying, which which is great. I mean, it's part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast is because I feel like I have conversations with people that other people aren't going to be able to have. And if one person hears this and goes, oh, wait a second, I can change my life in this way, in that way, or another way, uh, or I need to, you know, rotate the five. Um they're going to see steps and to be able to understand how to do that. And it could change their life. And if it, if, if one person listens to it and it changes their life for the better, then it's, it's a success. And it's true. I, I just got goosebumps when you was telling me that, because I, I so believe that I think that, you know, there is a reason why we're having this podcast, right? There's ways to convey a message in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And there is always a breaking point and there's always this one point of your life where it just hits you. And I'm hoping that whatever your next journey in life is, which I know it's to change people's life, this is ultimately what you should do. Because I think it will grow into something much bigger. I mean... I know Joe, Joe Rogan got, I mean, look at Joe Rogan, man. He's yeah, killing it. He's, he's doing amazing. I mean, he's getting millions of downloads. and Yeah, so, you know, I, I, and you're no any different. I mean, if you shave your head, you might look like him, but, you know. <laughs> put on put on a, 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 lot of, a lot of muscle. But, you know, he gets a lot of shit for it, too. I mean, yeah. the guy, he, he's, they got people that hate him, got people that love him. So, and it's, look there's a lot of haters in this world. Okay. There's a lot of haters because they hate to love to hate you. Yep. And, and the reason for that is because they're not really secure, or happy with where they are in life. So, you know, not necessarily they're jealous, but you know, they don't share the same way that you looked at life yeah. or how you want them to look at life. 
and that's completely fine. You know, I, I, I share this with people too. I said there is the white hat and the black hat guys, right? You're Ironically, either you're wearing white. a black hat <laughs> right before you yeah. say this, just to make you aware, you're wearing a black hat. I am the white hat guy. Wearing the black I know you're hat. a white hat guy. So that's why it's ironic. <laughs> I think we have this conversation, right? What's that? I, that's it, it's ironic that you're using that. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, and I'm wearing a black hat. So metaphorically I'm, I'm, speaking, I'm a white hat guy disguised in black hat, so I can beat up the black hat guy. You there know? you go. So Love he it. thinks I'm one of him. But you know, there's 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 always two sides to the coin, and I feel like you need to live both the black hat and the white hat guys mentality. And there's a equalization there too, because you know, I feel like you can't be both because it's just not possible. No, but so, you can't you can't get blindsided by the the people that want to take advantage of you, the black hats. You yeah, can't you you can't yeah, be blindsided 100%. by them. So you have to understand how they think to some extent to be able to avoid being taken advantage of by them. And, 100%. I, and I think that's it's an invaluable lesson that unfortunately I don't know. You can hear it, you can see it, you can be mentored through it. But I think at some point in time in your life, you're still going to fall victim in some way or another, even if it's just a little bit for one moment um, to, to learn the lesson of, you know, not being yeah. taken advantage of. I, there's, I there's, agree. And, I agree. And, 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 you know, I'll tell you something. I feel that I, I haven't shared this with a lot of people, but I, I'll share it on your podcast because I think it'll definitely get people to look at life in a different perspective. Um, and I say this because, you know, everyone is always chasing money, right? Mm-hmm. So money is a form of energy. Yeah. And how you receive that is how you're going to spend it. And Think about that. So if it was created through a, a very negative, not positive way that gives back to this world, and I'm not saying it to sound cliche or anything, but like, for example, if you really worked hard for that money, it comes in a form of a very positive way where you're going to allow to spend that in a positive way and it circulates in a positive way. So the energy from that money that comes into your life is going to get circulated through a positive path in spent, how it's spent. And if it's coming in negative, let's say you go out and you, you rip somebody off to make money. The person who got ripped off is going to send some really bad negative vibes and energy towards that because he got ripped off. Like, for example, you get robbed somebody steals your watch, your wife's purse or whatever, and they go and they sell that purse and watch, you know, and they get that money and they, they made money, right? They, they it would, took money that they didn't belong. How that's going to get spent, you know, if they're going to go spend that money for their family, for example, the kid will eventually get sick or have cancer or have something negative that will come to them 
because the money that was spent to buy the food for that kid was it came from such a very negative place. So it's going to put negativity into you and, and everything you do. But if you do it through a positive way, it circulates 10 times more. And all of a sudden that money that you just spent a dollar is circulated. It's going to come back and turn into a hundred. That same money that like you gave this money to this guy. He gave it to another guy. That guy gave it to another guy. It's circulated. Oh, same money will come back to you. That one dollar would turn into a hundred dollars. Yeah. And and it's vice versa. When you receive it in a negative way, guess what? You go into debt. All of a sudden you're driving, you hit a puddle. And I'm not saying people that hit puddles and they need to replace their tires is, is they took negative money. I'm just saying no, I mean, sometimes shit happens, you know. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that. But I feel that. I, I give this recommendation to all and, and I've seen my really successful friends who beat the system because they knew they could paid every single dollar back, but in a different form. So what I'm saying is don't think you're getting ahead by ripping people off or cheating your way into success. I guarantee you everything in life is balanced. You're yeah. going to pay for every single penny that you took that did not belong to you. So now, I mean, try I, to work. Yeah. I think it's an amazing, I think it's an amazing point. And I think, you know, it's a, it can be a little bit esoteric to, to think about, yeah. you know, money as energy, but, you know, I always like to say we're spiritual beings having a physical experience yeah, and, you know, the, you know, the, the mind or our beings or our spiritual beings, our spirit, our soul, whatever, if we're having a physical experience, then we have to somehow or another, you know, materialize, you know, our love or our hate or, you know, our negative, our positive, our, or whatever. And money is, is that currency. You know, I, I, um, I haven't posted it, but I wrote a blog post at some point in time, I'm going to post regarding currency because I think the only true currency is attention and where you put your attention is what you're spending your money on or, you know, or how you spend your money is where you put your attention or vice versa. And so true. if we thought of our attention span, we have, you know, in terms of hours or in terms of minutes or seconds, whatever we focus on, uh, whatever we put our attention on, that's how we're spending our money. And we have 24 hours in a day, um, you know, and, you know, for every hour we spend, you know, we're going to get so much return unless you spend it on something, you know, that has no return. That's mush, you know, and like social media for most people, not everyone, some people make a lot of money because they're putting so much into it that they're going to get that return. Other people are using it as an escape the same way a, a drug addict might use a drug. Uh, they're using it. And so, you know, they're getting nothing back and that's where they spend their attention. So I love that. And I think, and I hope everyone hears that, you know, where they put their money uh, and, and how they put their money, you know, with love or with hate is going to be how yeah. they get it back. You know, I, I hope people it's hear so that. It's so true because it's circular. It really yeah. does circulate. I, I, and I've, believe it or not, I've tested it. And there is ways to do it. And we could probably share this in another podcast because of the yeah. whole process. But 
there's ways that you can actually test this. Um, and there is studies that, you know, if you, I, I think, I don't remember the name, but I think it was a study where there was two jars and I don't know if there was. God, this rings a bell. We're, it, we're... Like you, 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 you're like complementing one thing and you're putting a lot of hate on another and which one gets more money like yeah there's some there's some like they put a sign on it or they um but the people putting money in the jar couldn't see which jar was which but the one uh i don't know not it's it's something like that i i I, this was years ago that i you know and, and i and i bring that up because i know even when you spend the money on products that you just mentioned that you have attraction or attention to that really better or create some sort of a positivity in your life and you're spending it on whatever the product is or whomever the person is with joy, that joy brings joy to them Mm -hmm. and it's going to bring joy to others. But if it's like, if you're spending the money and you're just like, you, you, you have to give them money because you are obligated. And I'm not talking about taxes here because right. everybody hates paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just pay attention. The next time you spend money or you receive money, find out if it was deserved. And if it wasn't, that's fine. You know it. You're guilty of it. Take the portion that was not deserved and give it back. Give it back to a charity. Give it to something of an organization because you don't want to turn that negative money and put it into your your day-to-day life or into your family. See, this is what we were talking about. And then I think this, again, this is a little bit esoteric, but you know, you hear, you know, the old, old ways of, of alchemy, you know, turning lead into gold. And you were talking earlier, you mentioned, um, you know, wealthy people donating to charities. And I think the, and I question, does that actually make them happier? And I think if, uh, and this is, you know, I'm curious to get your perspective on this, but if you are saying, I, it's not that you feel guilty, but I need to give back. I have such great wealth and I'm going to transmute whatever money I'm com- I have coming in into other people's joy and you can exponentially do good for people that way. But yeah. if you're just doing it strictly out of guilt, then there's a good chance that you're not going to feel better and you know, you're going to have a whole host of other problems because you're right. putting it out there in the wrong way. No, and you're I think- absolutely right it takes a, a level of mindfulness, a, a level of intention, uh, intentionality to really um, transmute, you know, whatever, I don't know, some people call it karma, bad energy, good energy, negative, positive. I, I think, you know, that person that has ill-gotten gains, that's trying to feed their family, if they think they have no other choice, but to do what they're doing to feed their family, and it's out of love, I think it's possible that that child may not get sick and may actually be able to flourish. I I agree. Uh, And again, I was just using an example. What I was trying to say is that, listen, you could, 
if you want to steal to feed your your kid, you can easily walk into a grocery store and you know negotiate with the whomever that's there to say, hey, look, I, I have a family that I need to feed. I know you're gonna throw away X amount of stuff. You know, yep. can you help me out? Blah, 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 and show pictures of your family, and they can actually do that. You know, yep. I I not going breaking somebody's house. Yep. And steal their belonging and, you know, going with a gun. And if they see him and they shoot him because they need to go feed a family. So I, I agree, but at the same time, I disagree. There's, there's ways, if you're literally looking to feed a family, there's way positive ways. I mean, there are, there's, there's, there's so many organizations. There's so many places that you can go to that, that can help support that. I mean, that's where our tax dollars are going into so many different foundations or so i mean look you have to be smart you have to go out and understand and look when you do that and you do it the right way god's going to really open up more doors the universe is going to open up more doors for you because while you're there you're going to meet somebody else who's struggling just like yourself and you're going to create another you know your top five there and together you're going to survive through some of the challenges because Mm -hmm. that guy might know something that you don't that he's going to say hey by the way do you know there's also this is available and that's available? And now it's opening up other doors for this guy not to go in somebody's house and steal and end up going in jail. And this kid is going to be raised with no father. So, And that's that, that to me is the worst crime is that we make people feel shame so that they don't feel comfortable going out and talking to other people or explaining or sharing their experience because it's the people that feel shame that that shame festers and that then they end up going and doing something that they're going to regret because 100%. they just couldn't talk to someone, you know, they yep. couldn't share their story. It's true because a lot of these people, I mean, they don't want their family to know that they're struggling. Right. You know, and, and look, life is a struggle. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or you're poor, it's a struggle no matter what, you know, and it's, that's what life is. If you woke up in the morning and everything was fantastic, there's no point of living. I just came back from vacation. I'm telling you, I spent a lot of money on this vacation, the best food, the best journeys, the best scenic views, the best of everything for seven days. I mean, I, on my Instagram post that, you know, posted some of the, the, the places I went, everyone was like, Oh my God, where is this, this, and that. But you want to be honest? I couldn't wait to get back, to get back to reality because how much could I do of that? You know, let's say I had all the money and I lived this amazing life every single day. I would not like life every day. I'm not saying that, you know, it's just too much of everything is not good. And, and I feel like the struggle is not a struggle. The struggle is the process in order for you to grow and graduate. And when you're in your deathbed, you can talk about all the different levels of your experiences and journeys that you've been through, good and bad, because that's what tastes good. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the bad, you don't know what good tastes like. And if you don't have good, you don't know what bad tastes like. So it's like, you know, so that's, that's pretty much what life is all about. And people just need to understand it and get out there and communicate 
and connect with other people that have the similar lifestyle as they do and try to help each other out. We, you know, they did this other study and I got to jump on another call. Yeah, no, I, I I think we're at a good wrapping up place, but finish this. Yeah. So we're all built to help, right? They've done this study, like the most awful person that killed and did this and did that. But when they saw somebody fall, their instant reaction was just to go see how they can help. And it's like, it was just their instant reaction. Like, hey, you okay? What happened? Are you okay? So we're all built to help one another. We just have to be able to connect with one another to see how we can help each other. Absolutely. And and if we can do that, I mean, we can all support. I mean, and all these situations that are taking place during our time, you know, with COVID and, you know, 9-11 and all the times, the things that we've kind of lived through, a lot of people have come together during that time and, you know, become closer with one another. But it's sad that something bad like that needs to happen in order for us to really realize that we are there for one another to help each other, but we're never asking for help, you know? And, and help is not like this. Hey, give me money. Right. It's not help. You know, it's you, 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 you work together to help each other, you know, yep. and, and see what each other's needs are. Like, I think this is a, this is a great place to end. And I mean, I think to kind of sum up what you're saying, I think, you know, we're not tribal beings, we are survivalists and the easiest survival mechanism is to band together. And, you know, I think we've, we've gotten so big and so populated that we have forgotten that community. We've forgotten that, that tribe, you know, is for survival and, you know, and we can be a, a tribe of earthlings you know we can help everyone because everyone can thrive and i can thrive through your thriving and everyone else can thrive you know and yeah i mean i I think it's a beautiful beautiful sentiment and and the 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 enjoyment of thriving together is probably one of the best feelings oh yeah of life because you don't want to thrive by yourself and you can't really experience and live the thrive without somebody that you enjoy or love because there's no party without a bunch of other people yeah you know because it's like going in and spending like 500 dollars on a dinner and this other person can barely afford a 50 dollar dinner you know it's like yeah and this is your best friend right so it's you want to be able to sit toe to toe with them and you guys help each other get there and the experience is 10 times better yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for, for doing this. And, you know, we'll do maybe a round two at some point in time. Maybe when we'll talk, you know, we'll get more into the, um, the idea of putting money out there, you know, your experiment, because I think that could be valuable for people sometime down the road. Um, but I, you know, I just, Sam, I can't, can't tell you how much I appreciate you for, for doing no, this. I'm, I'm I know your time is valuable. You, yeah. I'm very happy that you asked me to do this. I would have not done it with any just by you because <laughs> i know this is something that you have passion for and i'm honored to be your first person or whomever else you interviewed but i appreciate you 
you know, thinking of me and I'm hoping, you know, our conversation today can help, you know, people's lives or change something in their way of thinking. And I hope so. I think it will. Something positive in, 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 in in the universe. And I, uh, I, yeah, that's, that's brilliant, man. That's exactly what we're trying to do. So thank you. Yeah, you got it. All Thanks, right. Michael. I will, uh, I'll be in touch and, um, yeah, man, be well, uh, tell, tell your lovely life that I said, hello and, uh, give, uh, your dog a little, <laughs> a little rub. Um, you know, Nico misses playing with him at, uh, in the yeah, evening for sure. for until sure. next Thanks, time, man. my friend, you got it, brother. All right. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. This is just the beginning of Foundational Steps, the show. Many, many more great conversations to come. I can't thank you enough for listening. Find Sam online in the show notes. Please like, subscribe, and hit the bell to get notified for future episodes coming soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time, remember, your life story is yours to write and rewrite as many times as you want. Thank you.